Hello, and welcome to the final report on January 6th, a reading. I am your host, Robert Keniston. This is episode 13. In this episode, we'll begin chapter 4, Just Call It Corrupt and Leave the Rest to Me. Reading this portion of the report will be Omri Horowitz. So, without further ado, let's begin. Chapter 4. Just Call It Corrupt and Leave the Rest to Me The DOJ found no significant evidence of fraud. U.S. Attorney General William Barr knew there would be trouble before all the votes had been counted. So, right out of the box on election night, the president claimed that there was major fraud underway, Barr explained. I mean, this happened, as far as I could tell, before there was actually any potential of looking at evidence. President Trump was quick to claim there was major fraud, based solely on the phenomenon known as the Red Mirage. As explained elsewhere in this report, Democrats were more inclined to vote via mail-in ballot during the 2020 presidential election than Republicans, who were more likely to vote in person on Election Day. This was widely known and partly a result of President Trump's own public statements criticizing mail-in balloting. It also created a gap in the timing of how votes were tallied. The early vote tally favored Republicans on election night because the mail-in ballots, which skewed towards Democrats, were not yet fully counted. This occurred not just in 2020, but also in previous elections. The president knew of this phenomenon, but exploited it on election night nonetheless, as he and his allies had planned to do. President Trump exploited this timing gap and used it as the basis for this broad claim that there was major fraud, Barr said. But the attorney general didn't think much of that. People had been talking for weeks, and everyone understood for weeks that that was going to be what happened on election night, Barr explained. Cities with Democratic majorities in the battleground states wouldn't have their votes fully counted until the end of the cycle, with a lot of Democratic votes coming in at the end. This was not some well-guarded secret, as everyone understood the dynamic of election night in many states would be whether or not the Democratic votes at the end of the day would overcome the election day votes. Within days of the election, the president made an avalanche of fraud allegations. It was like playing whack-a-mole, Barr explained. Because something would come out one day, and then the next day it would be another issue. Barr told his staff very soon after the election that he didn't think the president would ever admit that he lost the election, and he would blame it on fraud, and then he would blame the actions and evidence on the Department of Justice. Barr soon took steps to investigate claims of fraud in the 2020 presidential election, even in the absence of evidence. The Department of Justice's long-standing policy had been to avoid any substantive investigations until after the election results were certified. As the country's premier federal law enforcement agency, DOJ is justifiably concerned that its substantial power can influence the outcome of an election, and it has enacted policies to mitigate this possibility. On November 7, 2020, the media declared former Vice President Biden the winner of the presidential election. Two days later, on November 9th, Attorney General Barr authorized wider investigations into claims of election fraud. Barr instructed DOJ and FBI personnel to pursue substantial allegations of voting and vote tabulation irregularities prior to the certification of elections in your jurisdictions in certain cases. November 23, 2020, 
Barr Challenges President Trump's Election Lies As Barr predicted, the president did call on him for information about alleged election fraud. Trump challenged him with a blizzard of conspiracy theories in three face-to-face -face meetings after the election. The first such meeting occurred on November 23, 2020. On November 23, the Attorney General spoke with White House Counsel Pat Cipollone, who said that it was important for him to come to the White House and speak to President Trump. Barr had not seen the President since before the election in late October, and the White House Counsel believed that it was important that the Attorney General explain what the Department of Justice was doing related to claims of election fraud. The President said that there had been major fraud and that, as soon as the facts were out, the results of the election would be reversed, Barr recalled. Trump continued for quite a while, and Barr was expecting what came next. President Trump alleged that the Department of Justice doesn't think it has a role looking into these fraud claims. Barr anticipated this line of attack because the president's counsel, Rudolph Giuliani, was making all sorts of wild, unsubstantiated claims. And Giuliani wanted to blame DOJ for the fact that no one had come up with any real evidence of fraud. Of course, by the time of this meeting, U.S. attorneys' offices had been explicitly authorized to investigate substantial claims for two weeks and had yet to find any evidence of significant voter fraud. Barr explained to the president why he was wrong. DOJ was willing to investigate any specific incredible allegations of fraud. The fact of the matter was that the claims being made were just not meritorious and were not panning out. Barr emphasized to the president that DOJ doesn't take sides in elections and is not an extension of your legal team. During the November 23rd meeting, Barr also challenged one of President Trump's central lies. He specifically raised the Dominion voting machines, which I found to be one of the most disturbing allegations. Disturbing, Barr explained, because there was absolutely zero basis for the allegations which were being made in such a sensational way that they obviously were influencing a lot of people, members of the public. Americans were being deceived into thinking that there was this systematic corruption in the system and that their votes didn't count and that these machines, controlled by somebody else, were actually determining it, which was complete nonsense. Barr stressed to the president that this was crazy stuff, arguing that not only was the conspiracy theory a waste of time, but it was also doing a great, great, great disservice to the country. As Attorney General Barr left the meeting, he talked with Mark Meadows, the White House Chief of Staff, and Jared Kushner, President Trump's son-in-law. I think he's become more realistic and knows that there is a limit to how far he can take this, Meadows said. According to Barr, Kushner reassured Barr, we're working on this, we're working on it. Barr was hopeful that the president was beginning to accept reality. The opposite happened. I felt that things continued to deteriorate between the 23rd and the weekend of the 29th, Barr recalled. Barr was concerned because President Trump began meeting with delegations of state legislators, and it appeared to him that there was maneuvering going on. Barr had no problem with challenging an election through the appropriate process, but worried that he didn't have any visibility into what was going on and that the president was digging in. December 1st, 2020 President Trump is irate after Barr says there is no significant fraud. Attorney General Barr had been clear that the DOJ was investigating claims of fraud. The department simply was not turning up any real evidence of malfeasance and certainly nothing that would overturn the election. Just as Barr feared, the president turned on DOJ anyway. On November 29, 2020, 
Fox News' Maria Bartiromo interviewed President Trump. It was his first TV interview since he lost his bid for re-election. The president claimed the election was rigged and rife with fraud. President Trump repeated various conspiracy theories, leading with the claim that Dominion's voting machines had glitches, which moved thousands of votes from my account to Biden's account. President Trump pointed to dumps of votes, a reference to the batches of mail-in ballots that had been tabulated later in the counting process. He rambled off various other spurious allegations, including that dead people voted in significant numbers. This is total fraud, the president said. And how the FBI and Department of Justice, I don't know, maybe they're involved, but how people are getting away with this stuff, it's unbelievable. This election was rigged. This election was a total fraud. Where's the DOJ and FBI in all of this, Mr. President? Barty Romo asked. You've laid out some serious charges here. Shouldn't this be something that the FBI is investigating? Are they? Is the DOJ investigating? Barty Romo asked incredulously. Missing in action, the president replied. Can't tell you where they are. He conceded that when he asked if DOJ and FBI were investigating, everyone says yes, they're looking at it. But he didn't leave it there. You would think if you're in the FBI or Department of Justice, this is, this is the biggest thing you could be looking at, President Trump said. Where are they? I've not seen anything. I mean, just keep moving along. They go on to the next president. He claimed the FBI was not even investigating Dominion, adding that votes processed in its machines are counted in foreign countries. None of this was true. Just six days earlier, Attorney General Barr had explained to President Trump how DOJ and FBI were investigating fraud claims. Barr also made it a point to emphasize that the Dominion claims were nonsense. The president simply lied. The crazy stuff, as Barr put it, was all Trump could cite. Attorney General Barr then decided to speak out. He invited Michael Balsamo, an Associated Press reporter, to lunch on December 1st. Barr told the journalist that, to date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. That made the president irate. Later that evening, Attorney General Barr met with President Trump at the White House. It was their second face-to-face meeting after the November election. At first, President Trump didn't even look at Attorney General Barr. The president was mad as I've ever seen him, and he was trying to control himself, Barr said. The president finally shoved a newspaper with the AP quote in Barr's face. Well, this is, you know, killing me. You didn't have to say this. You must have said this because you hate Trump. You hate Trump, Barr remembered him saying. No, I don't hate you, Mr. President, Barr replied. You know, I came in at a low time in your administration. I've tried to help your administration. I certainly don't hate you. President Trump peppered him with unsupported conspiracy theories. Because he had authorized DOJ and FBI to investigate fraud claims, Attorney General Barr was familiar with the conspiracy theories raised by the president. The big ones he investigated included claims such as Dominion voting machines switched votes, votes had been dumped at the end of the night in Milwaukee and Detroit, non-residents voted in Nevada, the number of ballots counted in Pennsylvania exceeded the number of votes cast, as well as a story about a truck driver supposedly driving thousands of pre-filled ballots from New York to Pennsylvania, among others. Under Attorney General Barr, DOJ would also investigate a false claim that a video feed in Fulton County captured multiple runs of ballots for former Vice President Biden. As explained in detail in Chapter 1 of this report, there was no truth to any of these allegations, but that didn't stop President Trump from repeatedly citing these fictional accounts. And I told him that the stuff that his people were shoveling out to the public was bullshit. I mean, that the claims of fraud were bullshit. Barr recalled about the December 1st meeting. 
And, you know, he was indignant about that, and I reiterated that they wasted a whole month of these claims in the Dominion voting machines, and they were idiotic claims. President Trump repeated that there had been a big vote dump in Detroit. But Attorney General Barr quickly parried this claim. There was nothing suspicious in how the voters flowed into a central location, Barr explained, because that is how votes are always counted in Wayne County. Moreover, Barr pointed out that the president performed better in Detroit in 2020 than he had in 2016. I mean, there is no indication of fraud in Detroit, Barr said. Barr explained that the thing about the truck driver is complete, you know, nonsense. DOJ and FBI had investigated the matter, including by interviewing the relevant witnesses. There was no truck filled with ballots. Nothing that Attorney General Barr said during the meeting could satisfy President Trump. So the president shifted the focus to Barr. He complained that the attorney general hadn't indicted former FBI director James Comey and that U.S. Attorney John Durham's investigation into the origins of the FBI's crossfire hurricane investigation hadn't made more progress. Look, I know that you're dissatisfied with me, Barr said, and I'm glad to offer my resignation. President Trump pounded the table in front of him with his fist and said, accepted. White House lawyers Pat Cipollone and Eric Hirschman tracked Barr down in the parking lot after he left. They convinced Barr to stay in the administration. But his days as attorney general were numbered. President Trump was not going to stop spreading conspiracy theories. Nor would the president cease in his effort to co-op DOJ for his own corrupt political purposes. President Trump released a video on Facebook the very next day. He repeated many of the same lies, including the conspiracy theory about Dominion voting machines switching votes. The president also offered charts falsely claiming that fraudulent vote dumps had swung the election against him. Among the examples he cited was the supposed vote dump in Detroit, Michigan. In fact, Barr had already debunked this and other claims. On December 3, 2020, Rudolph Giuliani appeared before the Georgia Senate Government Oversight Committee to allege that massive cheating had occurred during the election. Giuliani offered a video recorded on election night at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, as a key piece of evidence. Giuliani alleged that the video showed a secret suitcase of ballots being double and triple counted after the Republican poll watchers had been inappropriately dismissed. The video was selectively edited and showed nothing of the sort. The Georgia Secretary of State's office investigated and immediately debunked the claim, finding that the secret suitcase was just a secure box and nothing nefarious had occurred. President Trump, Giuliani, and others continue to push the lie anyway. On December 4th, Attorney General Barr asked Byung J. Pak, who was then the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Georgia, to independently investigate the State Farm claim. Barr told Pak that this was a priority because he was going to go to the White House for a meeting and the issue might come up. Barr asked Pak to try and substantiate the claim made by Mr. Giuliani. Pack watched the video from State Farm Arena and asked the FBI to investigate the matter further. Pack told the select committee that FBI agents interviewed the individuals shown in the video, who were supposedly double, triple counting the ballots, and determined that nothing irregular happened in the counting and the allegations made by Mr. Giuliani were false. And, as noted above, the supposed suitcase was a secure storage container used to store ballots. With this evidence in hand, Pack told Attorney General Barr that there was no substance to the allegations. December 14, 2020. Barr submits his resignation. Finally, Attorney General Barr had had enough. 
he submitted his resignation on December 14, 2020. During an interview with a select committee, former Attorney General Barr reflected on his face-to-face -face encounters with President Trump in November and December 2020. And in that context, I made clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting on this stuff which I told the president was bullshit. And, you know, I didn't want to be part of it. And that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I observed, I think it was on December 1st, that, you know, I believe you can't live in a world where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election that there was fraud in the election. Around midday on December 14th, Attorney General Barr met with President Trump and Meadows in the Oval Office to discuss his resignation. When he arrived, and even before Barr could mention his resignation, President Trump began speaking at length about the recently released Allied Security Operations Group report on Dominion voting machines in Antrim County, Michigan. While the Attorney General had been briefed on the allegations in Antrim County and did not find them credible, he promised the president that he would have DOJ investigate them. The attorney general then told President Trump that he had come for a separate reason and wished to speak to the president privately. So Meadows left. Barr told President Trump that it was clear the president was dissatisfied with him as attorney general and that he had decided to resign. President Trump accepted his resignation and asked Barr who would replace him. Attorney General Barr recommended Jeffrey A. Rosen as acting attorney general and Richard Donoghue as his deputy. Although President Trump called Donoghue to discuss the possibility of appointing him acting attorney general, Donoghue advised that normal procedures be followed and Rosen be named acting attorney general. President Trump followed this advice, and upon Barr's departure, Rosen became acting attorney general while Donoghue would function as his deputy. Acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen and Acting Deputy Attorney General Richard Donoghue hold the line. Barr felt that he was leaving the department in the hands of two trusted lieutenants. But President Trump immediately began to pressure Rosen and Donoghue just as he had Barr. On December 14, 2020, the day Barr resigned, Molly Michael, special assistant to the president and Oval Office coordinator, sent an email to Acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen. The email had two documents attached, both of which were labeled, From POTUS. The first was a set of talking points focused on false allegations of voter fraud in Antrim County, Michigan. The second document was the same ASOG report the president had given Barr. The next day, President Trump held a meeting in the White House with Acting Attorney General Rosen, Acting Deputy Attorney Donahue, Cipollone, Meadows, Acting Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, Ken Cuscinelli, and Acting General Counsel of the Department of Homeland Security, Chad Mizell. Barr did not attend, even though he was not scheduled to leave DOJ until the following week. The timing of the meeting was notable, as the previous day the Electoral College had met and cast their votes in favor of former Vice President Biden. During testimony before the select committee, Donoghue explained that the December 15th meeting was largely focused on the ASOG report. According to Donoghue, the president was adamant that the report must be accurate, that it proved that the election was defective, that he in fact won the election, and the department should be using that report to basically tell the American people that the results were not trustworthy. President Trump discussed other theories as well, including erroneous allegations of voter fraud in Georgia and Pennsylvania. But the bulk of that conversation on December 15th focused on Antrim County, Michigan. President Trump asked why DOJ wasn't doing more to look at this, 
and whether the department was going to do its job. The Department of Justice was doing its job. In fact, Attorney General Barr had ordered unprecedented investigations into the many specious claims of voter fraud. The president simply didn't want to hear the truth, that DOJ found that not one of the bogus claims was true. As explained in Chapter 1, the original vote totals in Antrim County were the result of a human error that had since been corrected, not the result of any problem with Dominion machines or software. There was no evidence of fraud. President Trump is introduced to Jeffrey Clark. On December 21, 2020, 11 House Republicans met with President Trump at the White House to discuss their plans for objecting to the certification of the Electoral College vote on January 6. After the meeting, Mark Meadows tweeted, Several members of Congress just finished a meeting in the Oval Office with at real Donald Trump, preparing to fight back against mounting evidence of voter fraud. Stay tuned. Among those in attendance was Congressman Scott Perry, a Republican from Pennsylvania. By the next day, Representative Perry had introduced a little-known DOJ official named Jeffrey Clark to the president. At the time, Clark was the acting head of the Civil Division and head of the Environmental and Natural Resources Division at the Department of Justice. Clark had no experience in, or responsibilities related to, investigating allegations of election fraud. President Trump called Acting Attorney General Rosen virtually every day between December 23rd and January 3rd. The president usually discussed his dissatisfaction with DOJ, claiming the department was not doing enough to investigate election fraud. On Christmas Eve, Trump brought up Jeffrey Clark's name. Rosen found it peculiar, telling the select committee, I was quizzical as to how does the president even know Mr. Clark. Rosen then spoke directly with Clark on December 26th. Clark revealed that he had met with the president in the Oval Office several days prior. Clark had told the president that if he were to change the leadership at the Department of Justice, then the department might be able to do more to support the president's claim that the election had been stolen from him. In his discussion with Acting Attorney General Rosen, Clark was defensive and apologetic, claiming that the meeting with the President Trump was inadvertent and it would not happen again, and that if anyone asked him to go to such a meeting, he would notify Rich Donahue and me. Of course, Clark had good reasons to be defensive. His meeting with President Trump and Representative Perry on December 22nd was a clear violation of department policy, which limits interaction between the White House and the department's staff. As Steve Engel, former Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel, explained to the select committee, it's critical that the Department of Justice conducts its criminal investigations free from either the reality or any appearance of political interference. For that reason, the department has long-standing policies in place across administrations to keep these communications as infrequent and at the highest levels as possible, just to make sure that people who are less careful about it, who don't really understand these implications, such as Mr. Clark, don't run afoul of, the, of those contact policies. Rosen added that only the attorney general or deputy attorney general can have conversations about criminal matters with the White House, or they can authorize someone from within DOJ to do so. Clark had no such authorization. Representative Perry continued to advocate on Clark's behalf. The congressman texted Meadows on December 26, writing, Mark, just checking in as time continues to count down. 11 days to January 6th and 25 days to inauguration. We gotta get going. Representative Perry followed up, Mark, you should call Jeff. I just got off the phone with him and he explained to me why the principal deputy won't work especially with the FBI. 
They will view it as not having the authority to enforce what needs to be done. Meadows responded, I got it. I think I understand. Let me work on the deputy position. Representative Perry then sent an additional text, Roger, just sent you something on Signal. Just sent you an updated file. And did you call Jeff Clark? December 27th phone call. On December 27, 2020, President Trump called Acting Attorney General Rosen once again. At some point during the lengthy call, Rosen asked that Acting Deputy Attorney General Donoghue be conferenced in. According to Donoghue's contemporaneous notes, Trump referenced three Republican politicians, all of whom had supported the president's election lies and the Stop the Steal campaign. One was Representative Scott Perry. Another was Doug Mastriano a state senator from Pennsylvania who would later be on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th attack. President Trump also referenced Representative Jim Jordan from Ohio, praising him as a fighter. Representatives Perry and Jordan had often teamed up to spread lies about the election. The two spoke at a Stop the Steal rally in front of the Pennsylvania State Capitol in Harrisburg just days after the November election. The pair also pressed their conspiratorial case during interviews with friendly media outlets. President Trump made a stream of allegations during the December 27th call. As reflected in his notes, Donoghue considered the call to be an escalation of the earlier conversations, with the president becoming more adamant that we weren't doing our job. President Trump trafficked in conspiracy theories he had heard from others, and Donoghue sought to make it clear to the president these allegations were simply not true. Donoghue sought to correct President Trump in a serial fashion as he moved from one theory to another. The president returned to the discredited ASOG report, which former Attorney General Barr had already dismissed as complete nonsense. ASOG had claimed, based on no evidence, that the Dominion voting machines in Antrim County, Michigan, had suffered from a 68% error rate. As noted above and in Chapter 1, that was not close to being true. Bipartisan election officials in Antrim County completed a hand recount of all machine process ballots on December 17, 2020, which should have ended the lies about Dominion's voting machines. The net difference between the machine count and the hand recount was only 12 out of 15,718 total votes. The machines counted just one vote more for former Vice President Biden than was tallied during the hand recount. Donoghue informed the president that he cannot and should not be relying on AOSOG's claim because it was simply not true. This did not stop the president from later repeating the debunked allegation multiple times, including during his January 6th speech at the Ellipse. Acting Deputy Attorney General Donoghue debunked a series of other conspiracy theories offered by President Trump during the December 27th call as well. One story involved a truck driver who claimed to have moved an entire tractor-trailer of ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. There was no truth to the story. The FBI interviewed witnesses at the front end and the back end of the truck's transit route, looked at loading manifests, questioned the truck driver, and concluded that there were no ballots in the truck. President Trump then returned to the conspiracy theory about voting in Detroit. Former Attorney General Barr had already debunked the claim that a massive number of illegal votes had been dumped during the middle of the night, but the president would not let it go. President Trump alleged that someone threw the poll watchers out and you don't even need to look at the illegal aliens voting. Don't need to. It's so obvious. The president complained that the FBI will always say that there's nothing there, because while the special agents, the line guys, supported him, the bureau's leadership supposedly did not. This was inconsistent with Donoghue's view. But President Trump complained that he made some bad decisions on leadership at the FBI. 
President Trump also wanted to talk a great deal about Georgia and the State Farm Arena video, claiming it was fraud staring you right in the face. President Trump smeared Ruby Freeman, a Georgia election worker who was merely doing her job as a huckster and an election scammer. President Trump said the networks, meaning the television networks, had magnified the tape and saw them running them ballots through repeatedly. The president repeated the lie that Democrats had closed the facility and then come back with hidden ballots under the table. He suggested that both Rosen and Donoghue go to Fulton County and do a signature verification. They would see how illegal it is and find tens of thousands of illegal ballots. President Trump kept fixating on the supposed suitcase in the video. But acting Deputy Attorney General Donoghue debunked the president's obsession. There is no suitcase, Donoghue made clear. Donoghue explained that the DOJ had looked at the video and interviewed multiple witnesses. The suitcase was an official lockbox filled with genuine votes. And election workers simply did not scan ballots for former Vice President Biden multiple times. All of this was recorded by security cameras. In response to what President Trump was saying during the conversation, Rosen and Donoghue try to make clear that the claims the president made weren't supported by the evidence. You guys must not be following the internet the way I do, the president remarked. But President Trump was not finished peddling wild conspiracy theories. The president pushed the claim that Pennsylvania had reported 205,000 more votes than there were voters in the state. We'll look at whether we have more ballots in Pennsylvania than registered voters, Acting Attorney General Rosen replied. According to Donoghue, they should be able to check that out quickly. But Rosen wanted President Trump to understand that the DOJ can't and won't snap its fingers and change the outcome of the election. It doesn't work that way. I don't expect you to do that, President Trump responded. Just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. Donoghue explained this is an exact quote from the president. We have an obligation to tell people that this was an illegal, corrupt election, President Trump told the DOJ team at another point in the call. President Trump insisted this was DOJ's obligation even though Rosen and Donoghue kept telling him there was no evidence of fraud sufficient to overturn the outcome of the election. We were doing our job, Donoghue informed the president. Much of the info you're getting is false. The call on December 27th was contentious for additional reasons. President Trump did not want to accept that the Department of Justice was not an arm of his election campaign. He wanted to know why the department did not assist in his campaign civil suits against states. There was a simple answer. There was no evidence to support the campaign's claims of fraud. Donoghue and Rosen also tried to explain to the president on this occasion and on several other occasions that the Justice Department has a very important, very specific, but very limited role in these elections. The states run their elections, and DOJ is not quality control for the states. DOJ has a mission that relates to criminal conduct in relation to federal elections and also has related civil rights responsibilities. But DOJ cannot simply intervene to alter the outcome of an election or support a civil suit. When President Trump made these demands on December 27th, it was already crystal clear that the Department of Justice had found no evidence of systematic fraud. The department simply had no reason to assert that the 2020 presidential contest was an illegal corrupt election. People tell me Jeff Clark is great and that I should put him in, President Trump said on the call. People want me to replace the DOJ leadership, Donoghue responded. Sir, that's fine. You should have the leadership you want, but understand changing the leadership in the department won't change anything. The president did not really care what facts had been uncovered by the Department of Justice. President Trump just wanted the department to say the election was corrupt so he and the Republican congressman could exploit the statement in the days to come, including on January 6th. 
and when Rosen and Donahue resisted the president's entreaties, he openly mused about replacing Rosen with someone who would do the president's bidding. Congressman Scott Perry calls Donahue. Toward the end of the December 27th call, President Trump asked Donahue for his cell number. Later that day, Representative Perry called Donahue to press the president's case. Representative Perry was one of President Trump's key congressional allies in the effort to overturn the election's results. Representative Perry was an early supporter of the Stop the Steal campaign and, as noted above, addressed the crowd at one such event outside the Pennsylvania State Capitol in Harrisburg on November 5, 2020. Representative Perry was also one of 27 Republican congressmen who signed a letter requesting that President Trump direct Attorney General Barr to appoint a special counsel to investigate irregularities in the 2020 election. The letter was dated December 9, 2020, more than one week after Barr told the press that there was no evidence of significant fraud. There was no reason to think that a special counsel was warranted. Representative Perry and the other congressmen advocated for one to be appointed anyway. Representative Perry attended the December 21st Oval Office meeting along with at least 10 other congressional Republicans to discuss the strategy for objecting to the Electoral College votes on January 6th. Along with 125 other Republican members of Congress, Representative Perry also supported Texas's lawsuit against Pennsylvania and three other states. That is, Representative Perry supported Texas's effort to nullify the certified Electoral College vote from four states, including his own home state. Donahue took notes during his conversation with Representative Perry and provided those notes to the select committee. The notes reflect that when Representative Perry called Donahue on December 27th, Representative Perry explained that President Trump asked him to call and that he, Representative Perry, did not think DOJ had been doing his job on the election. Representative Perry brought up other unrelated matters and argued that the FBI doesn't always do the right thing in all instances. Representative Perry also brought up Jeff Clark, he said he liked him and he thought that Clark would do something about this, meaning the election fraud allegations. On the evening of December 27th, Representative Perry emailed Donahue a set of documents alleging significant voting fraud had occurred in Pennsylvania. One document asserted that the election authorities had counted 205,000 more votes and had been cast. Representative Perry also shared this same claim on Twitter the following day. President Trump kept raising the same claim. Sometimes there was an alleged discrepancy of 205,000 votes. Other times, it was supposedly 250,000 votes. Either way, it was not true. Acting Deputy Attorney General Donahue forwarded Representative Perry's email to Scott Brady, who was the U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Pennsylvania at the time. As Brady soon discovered, there was no discrepancy. President Trump supporters came up with the claim by comparing the Pennsylvania Secretary of State's website, which reported the total number of votes as 5.25 million, to a separate state election registry, which showed only 5 million votes cast. The problem was simple. Pennsylvania's election site had not been updated. The totals for four counties had not yet been reported on the election site. Once those votes were counted on the site, the totals matched. This was simply not an example of fraud as President Trump, Representative Perry, and others would have it. This podcast has been a production of 2008 Studios under a contract with SAG-AFTRA. Casting support services has been provided by Breakdown Services. The recordings herein are property of 2008 LLC. Any inquiries to collaborate or contact can be sent to info at 2008.com. 
That's info at 20-08.com. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please feel free to share this podcast. And of course, please subscribe to be updated on future episodes. Thank you for listening.